Okay, here we go. Week two of preseason of the WannaBet podcast. I am David Schiff, and as always, I am joined by the legend himself, my partner in crime, Mr. Miles V. Miles, how you doing, buddy? Hi, I'm Miles. Maybe you've heard of me. David, I love it that we're back in the swing of this. Now it's going to be a weekly podcast, and it's just it's great to just get this rhythm going. I really felt good about last week's uh, presentation. Yeah, we had a lot of fun last week. And just to remind everybody, what we're going to do this week is it's preseason in the NFL. It's preseason at WannaBet. We're going to talk about uh, some notes, some observations from week two, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then we're going to take a deeper dive into the AFC. We're going to talk about some new additions. We're going to get into the divisional handicapping as posted by BetMGM. And then as a little bit of a reminder, we're going to do the same thing for week three and the NFC next week. And then two weeks from today, we will be making our first bets for week one of the NFL. So stay with us. we got a lot of great stuff and we're going to be getting into our regular one bet format where we bet $1,000 a week uh, very, very soon. But lots to talk about. Lots going on. What's going on in your world? Well, I wanted to say I am super psyched to look at the analytics of our last podcast. Uh, the numbers were really impressive. I think people are enjoying the content. And we even got multiple downloads from the country of Germany. Really? Now, I have a few theories on why people in Germany are seeking us out. And I want to get your, your take on this. So here are my theories. Number one, They heard our season one podcast regarding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Seattle Seahawks game that took place in Germany last year, and they're impressed with our work. Could be. I think that's an unlikely scenario, but maybe we discard that one. What do do you think? Uh, I think that that is unlikely. I would agree. (laughs) All right. Well, number two, someone at the German porn websites that I frequent sold my personal information. Somebody stop me. Far more likely. Yeah, there's no other explanation, right? I mean, someone at my dirty hobby invaded my privacy (laughs) and is now downloading our pod. I think that's probably what happened. I I would agree. And I think you need to be careful about how you're putting your profile out there. Three, you and I are being targeted by some German organization and we've been placed on a list. And let me remind you, our people did not fare so well when Germans put us on a list. (laughs) That is definitely true. Only when Schindler put us on a list did we do better. Okay. Well, I... I don't know about you. I, I I don't know if I'm getting over personal here, but when I meet someone from Germany, I get nervous. And it's not voluntary. It's just my reaction. Someone be like, hi, my name is Wilhelm. And I'll be like, Fletch. I'll be like, I'm Gordon Liddy. I'm Don Corleone. I'm Ted Nugent. Yeah, your protective instincts take over. I totally get it. Hey, maybe we're just, you know, our reach is really starting to become global now that we are attracting the attention of overseas listeners. Maybe that's all it is. Well, I, I saw another download from Nigeria recently, so I don't know how to explain it but thank you for listening everyone and we're going to keep on bringing you great content we're going to try so let's get into that great content and before we start the podcast i do think that we need to take our hats off bow our heads and really pay homage to the end of one of the most incredible sports streaks in the annals of all of sports which is the end of the baltimore ravens preseason win streak if you (laughs) if you're if you're following Boy, that was just a that was just a, a a heart racing game where the Commanders kicked a last second field goal to to beat Baltimore and end their streak of twenty four straight preseason games. 
I think it's our fault because we brought it up last pod. It was like the announcer's jinx. You don't want to do that. Like, you don't want to talk about a no-hitter in the middle of one. And we went ahead and talked about the 24-0, and and look what happened. I think it's an omen because if you remember, I had Baltimore on my under. My list of teams projected to go under their projected oh. wins. So this could be uh, this could be an omen for Baltimore that things are not starting off so great in the 23-24 season. These are these are the betting gods. Huh? Well, to that end, you know, I had the over on the Seahawks and it looks like Jackson Smith, the jig bunt, fractured his wrist. What does that mean? Yeah, that is not a good sign. There's talk about, is he having surgery and could he be back for week one or two? Lots of talk on that, but not not good for him or the Seahawks. Going back to the Ravens game really quickly to put the per, the streak in perspective, the last time the Baltimore Ravens lost a preseason game was 2015. At that time, Sam Howell, the quarterback for the Washington Commanders, was in middle school. Excellent. So there you go. That's some perspective. And a little bit of a segue because Sam Howell is actually playing pretty well. Very under the radar right now. A quarterback out of North Carolina. He's looked good. He is the starter for the Commanders. He kind of reminds me of uh, like a Mac Jones, Brock Purdy kind of a guy. A little bit above average leg and arm. If he's got time, he's going to throw the ball in the right place. Uh, you know, I think the expectations for the commanders are super low this year, but they might have found something with Howell. So good for him. Yeah, no, I agree with you on the expectations being low. And I love their receiver, Jalen Dotson, who played out of Penn State. So I, I you know, he does have a, a nice, nice target to throw to with him. And I think Terry McLaurin is still uh, catching balls over there. Yeah, they got a couple pieces and they've got a decent defense, but I don't think they're going to come out of the NFC East on top. A couple other things on the good category. Let's congratulate Baker Mayfield on being named starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Good for him. He outplayed Kyle Trask. And I I don't really have anything to say against Baker. I I don't think they're going to do that well. I don't think any team in the NFC South is going to do that well. But it did make me think, are you surprised, Miles? And I'm taking a little bit of a segue here, that no team has taken a look at Carson Wentz. No, there's a couple teams that definitely could look to improve at QB. And I am surprised. Uh, I'm not surprised that Baker Mayfield was named starter, and I do hope that means that we have more commercials with him because he makes good television. He does, and uh, for a while he was sort of like Peyton Manning where you just could not turn on the TV and not see Baker Mayfield locked into that stadium or whatever was going on there. Uh, A couple other good things for me. Uh, Daniel Jones has actually looked pretty sharp um, playing against the Panthers. Eight for nine with a touchdown. I know Giants fans are overhyped as usual, uh, expecting things that are not going to happen. That's the fact, Jack! Got any bad things you want to bring? I have a couple things I want to bring up. Yeah, I've got one, and I'm not proud. Um, I I did something that I've, I've never done. I don't think I will ever do again. And if this was publicized, I'd probably lose all of my credibility. And that is, I bet on a preseason game. What? Nah, I don't you, know what you bet. You bet. You bet actual money on a preseason football game. I was. I was bored. I was. I. I don't even know. I can't make excuses. I was in the state of Indiana, dropping off my son at college. We were, you know, road trip to get him there from Chicago. Moved him all in. Drove back to Indianapolis. Spent the night in Indianapolis, only to find that on television was the Colts Bears, and I thought. 
okay, we're going to be, we're not doing anything. I'm going to watch the game. I might as well put some money on it. And, and that was just plain stupid. It goes against everything I've been trying to teach on this podcast, which is to be selective in your betting. What, what, what did you bet and what was the result? So my thinking was these are two really poor teams. I'll take whoever's getting the points. And in this case, the Bears were getting five points. And I thought, that's a lot of points. No one's playing their starters. Let's just, you know, throw this one out there as a flyer, right? And the worst part, and this is maybe the gambling gods, you know, laughing at me, is that the Bears were winning the game 17-7 to in the fourth quarter. I thought I was a lock at plus five, and what happened? They found a way to lose, and they lost in the most, you know, horrible, horrible way. We're talking, (laughs) you know, fumble. We're talking meaningless field goal at the end to go up by seven instead of four. I mean, it was just – it was – it was a sign that that I just never can do that again, and I need to really check myself. So let's take a step back. You took a bad beat on a preseason football bet. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and it's it stuck with me for like the last four days. And yes, that's what happened. This looks extraordinarily bad. That is the karma gods just whacking you over the head with a frying pan and saying, "What the hell are you doing?" I, I don't know why I'm even admitting this, but yes, I'm. <laughs> But if we're doing the good, the bad, and the ugly, that should have been part of the ugly. Because <laughs> nobody bets preseason. I felt like it was some Laverne and Shirley episode where they'll be like, now what kind of an idiot would ever do that? And then it's, hello, you know, you got Lenny and Squiggy walk in the door and <laughs> that's me. You know? It's because yeah, we're so excited. We just can't wait for these games. And we're like, you know, as, as I say, you know, Miles and I watch preseason football so you don't have to. The games are all over the place. They're bad. They're bad players. But, you know, in all of this sort of working out and getting your teams ready, we can glean some battles here and there. And we, we see some things going on that were that are fun and interesting. But don't bet the games, for Christ's sake. We don't want to do that. Yeah. No, that's true. And, and the one thing I did glean was watching the Indianapolis backup quarterback, Sam Erringer, who looked really, really good. Uh, if you want to talk about having a competent backup, yeah. I think Indi- Indianapolis is uh, is going to be fortunate there because they've named Richardson their starter, which you know might be a surprise to some. Him being a rookie and him not having the most you know lucrative career at Florida, but I think they should you know feel some sense of uh, security knowing that if, if he doesn't work out, they do have someone decent in Sam Erringer. You're absolutely right, and that is a great segue because I was going to do this whole thing on backup quarterbacks, specifically for the San Francisco 49ers and Philadelphia Eagles, and then the 49ers beat me to the punch, and they named Sam Darnold the backup to Brock Purdy, and all of a sudden Trey Lance, who was the starter at the beginning of the season last year, is maybe the third stringer. We don't know. His future is a little bit in limbo, and I was going to do a thing where he was just absolutely bad. Uh, Darnold wasn't much better. Darnold had some bad luck in some of his drives. One of his receivers fumbled the ball. They went for a fourth and one. But so many people now have come out on social media just skewering the 49ers for the money that they spent to draft up to get Lance, all the picks they could have had, all the players that the Dolphins now have because of this trade. And it's true. They absolutely screwed the pooch on this pick and Lance at the moment is a bust. But the one thing I will say is all of those people who are skewering the 49ers 
Are they also giving them credit for the fact that they're starting quarterback this year on a team that is expected to be a Super Bowl contender was Mr. Irrelevant last year? So arguably, they made the greatest quarterback draft since Tom Brady in getting their starter that low in the draft. I don't see quite as many people giving them credit for that, even though they did screw it up with Lance. Yeah, and, and being in Chicago and and knowing the uh, the famous NBA draft lottery where Sam Bowie went before Michael Jordan, I think uh, I think this Trey Lance is another situation. They are lucky to have salvaged something in that draft by getting Brock Purdy. No question about it. I want to talk about the Eagles for a second because that's another situation where if you're an Eagles fan, you're excited about the season. Obviously, they had a great season last year and they're a contender, but you're nervous about your backup quarterback situation. They brought in Marcus Mariota to bring to be the the main backup for Jalen Hurts, and he has not been good. And more so about just not been good. There's just something about Mariota. So right now he's like, you know, 16 of 28 for 130 yards in an interception. If you watched the show Quarterback on Netflix, which followed him and Mahomes and Cousins last year, and I had kind of forgotten some of this, but he was the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. They get to the end of the season and several things happen all at once. Atlanta isn't going anywhere. They decide to name Desmond Ritter as the starter. At that time, Mariota has a bad knee and his wife is about to give birth with their first child. So all of these things happen right at the end of the season and Marcus Mariota leaves the team. It's not like he just takes the demotion. He leaves the team and, you know, goes and has his knee surgery and has his baby and all of that. But there's just something about Mariota that's a little bit disengaged. You look at that guy and you wonder, does he really have the fire? Does he want to win? And I don't see it. He kind of reminds me a little bit about Jeff George. If you remember that guy from the Colts, you know, 15, 20 years ago, great arm, great talent, but just looked like he didn't care. And I kind of see that with Mariota. And if I'm an Eagles fan, I don't love the fact that he's the backup. They did draft this guy, Tanner McKee, out of Stanford. And, you know, he's outplaying Mariota. And they may also make a decision where, you know, the more high-profile backup who they brought in isn't the guy. Well, you know, Mariota did have a lot of athleticism when he played at Oregon and even in his first couple years in the league. And I think he might have lost a step, too. I don't know if you attribute it to his knee or otherwise, but when you take out the athleticism and his ability to run for the first down, then you're stuck with just him being a passer and he's not one of the top passers. So I don't see a a real resurgence in his career. Um, So yeah, I am with you on that one. Maybe the knee injury uh, is not healed the way it should be. His passing was inaccurate. He was throwing everything high in the last preseason game. So Look, I think Eagles fans are really praying for the the health of Jalen Hurts throughout the season. One other thing that I did want to mention that I've noticed that has stood out to me a little bit on the bad side. I don't want to project, uh, you know, bad all the way through, but Bryce Young does not pass the eyeball test for me. You see that guy and there's some shots of him talking to Aaron Rodgers in uh, Hard Knocks last week. He looks small. He looks short. And he looks slight. When you look at a Kyler Murray, Murray kind of looks thick and he's got some, you know, heft to him. Boy, uh, yeah, you know, Bryce Young just looks really, 
like a little guy out there. He's taken a while to go through his reads. They're saying he's unflappable and they like the fact that he's not getting too high and too low. I think, and again, I do not want to project out a career because it's far too early. The guy has not played one snap of regular season football. Maybe he's going to be fantastic and another, you know, second coming of a Michael Vick. But boy, right now, I am just not seeing it. Yeah, no, I'm not either. And it's funny, when you say Kyler Murray, I, I look at him and I think of the the rookie running back drafted this Deuce Vaughn, this like five foot six. Oh, man, isn't he great? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's kind of how I think of Kyler Murray at quarterback when he's running the ball. He's just able to get through loads and loads of defensive players. It's amazing. Um, but yeah. And when you want to talk about, you know, go back to your Baker Mayfield, you know, here's a guy who I think is a shade under six feet, always talking about how his passes get deflected, how, you know, he just doesn't have the composition of the quarterback that you needed. I think you might be able to say the same about Bryce. It matters. Height matters. You have to be able to see over your lineman down the, the field. And again, I don't want to take anything away from his athletic ability and the success that he had in Alabama. And, you know, I'm Colin Coward right now, just going on the eyeball test. But for me, he is not passing the eyeball test at the moment. Well, it's it's early. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely early. Let's take a break right now. We're going to come back in a minute and we're going to talk divisional stuff. We're going to talk more things about the AFC. All right, let's get back into it. Before we jump into all of the divisional handicapping, Miles and I uh, sort of came up with something. We want to talk about who we think, who we each think is the most significant addition to the AFC. Now, because of the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, we're going to sort of make a caveat and say the most significant addition to the AFC not named Aaron Rodgers. And by addition, we mean anybody new. It can be a free agent signing, a draft pick, a coach, or whatever. Uh, I know, Miles, I know you have a couple of guys you want to talk about. Yeah, there are a few, and thankfully we're not talking about Aaron Rodgers. And I'm going to go ahead and say when we get into the NFC, you know, that the Packers have some addition by subtraction by getting rid of Aaron Rodgers, and they might even be a better ball club now that he's no longer with them. But that was the whole story we'll leave for next week. Um, But staying on the... Uh, the Jets, I'm kind of excited more so than a lot of people about Dalvin Cook. So you have a guy who was the feature back for the Vikings who got a lot of run, and now he's joining a Jets team who actually already has a pretty decent running back in Brees Hall, right? Um, But I do think it's so important, and I, I don't think, you know, the league is emphasizing running backs enough, and we talked a little bit about this last week, that it's that you need to have solid backs. And if one of them gets injured, you can plug in the other, and they can do real well. Or you can be like uh, the New England Patriots, who often feature multiple backs. And, and as long as we're talking about Dalvin Cook, we might as well talk about, you know, Zeke. Him joining Ramondre Stevenson is a whole other dynamic to that team. He can plug right into the system. And now Zeke finally has a coach in Bill Belichick that we'll see, you know, if that could be a difference maker in his career. Because we all know at Dallas they've had struggles for God knows how long. And everyone thinks every year it's Dallas's year, but their coaching staff gets in the way. We'll see if Zeke can flourish now in, in a new system. So basically my thoughts are a couple of NFC running backs moving into the AFC on, you know, new teams, new division, and – joining uh, an existing top-tier running back, I think that's going to be 
maybe not from a fantasy perspective, like the greatest thing in the world, but from a team win and a team betting perspective, I really like how that looks. I love the fact that last week we were talking about the AFC East as being such a strong division and that it is sort of the AFC West of last year, which didn't really pan out. But, you know, you've got good teams everywhere you look. And since we did that podcast, then you have Dalvin Cook and Zeke Elliott joining the AFC East, only making it stronger, only making it more exciting, only making it more fun. So I'm excited, you know, and, and I think, you know, Dalvin Cook's probably a little bit more of a number one. We'll see how Bree, you know, Brees Hall's health is for the Jets. Zeke, I believe, is clearly the number two behind Ramondre Stevenson. But like you point out, Belichick likes a two-back system. He's still going to look a lot of carries. He's a high-profile name you know, to enter that division. Yeah, and if you're looking at the public, I think the public, if you maybe want to see fantasy football drafts and who's being drafted high, I think the public likes Calvin Ridley joining up with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I don't necessarily love that, and I've never necessarily been high on Calvin Ridley. Um, you know, he always seemed to be a, a number two slash number three for the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, as you know, last year he didn't play because he was – suspended for his gambling problem, which maybe he been on preseason football too. I don't know. I, I, I can't confirm or deny that. But I just don't necessarily see him. Like he might be getting drafted high in these fantasy football drafts, but I do think the more uh, critical players are going to be the running backs, in this case, Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I think for Calvin Ridley, he's a nice piece. Uh, we talked about Jacksonville. You know, I'm high on them. You know, he joins Christian Kirk. He joins Zay Jones, this rookie that they're talking about. They've got this guy Tank Bigsby now to go with Travis Etienne. A lot of pieces there. I think Jacksonville's going to have a good season. Um, and, you know, he's an X factor. Somebody who didn't play last year, you just don't know. Well, you can argue the same about OBJ, but I'm not going there either. I'm not as high on him. It's really been several years and several injuries since he did anything. I don't think he's going to be a huge factor. I just don't. Could be proven wrong. Is there anyone uh, joining the uh, AFC that you're looking at? There is indeed. And I am not going to talk about a player. I'm going to talk about a coach. And I'm going to talk about Sean Payton joining the Denver Broncos as the head coach. And let's, let's take a quick step back here. The two quarterbacks with the most immediate pressure on them in terms of how they played last year are Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. Now, I would argue that Dak Prescott actually has a little bit more pressure on him because if the Cowboys don't have a deep run, Mike McCarthy's getting fired flat out. Mike McCarthy knows that. He's all in on himself. He's calling plays now. No more, no more Kellen Moore. It's a different situation in Denver, obviously. Sean Payton's not going anywhere after this year, but I think Sean Payton has one job right now, and even more so than winning football games, as crazy it is as it is to say that, his one job is to fix Russell Wilson. And we all saw the headlines from a couple of weeks ago. Sean Payton came out and he absolutely blasted Nathaniel Hackett and the coaching staff of the Broncos from last year, saying it was the worst coaching job in the history of the NFL, to the point where Nathaniel Hackett, who has another job, he's the offensive coordinator for the Jets. You know, Robert Sala was coming to his defense. Aaron Rodgers is coming to his defense. He may be right. But I think that that was completely calculated on Sean Payton's part, and he was talking to one guy. 
He was talking to Russell Wilson and saying, I'm doing whatever I can to protect you, to excuse your bad performance from last year, to get you in a better mindset uh, where we can put you in situations to get you back to your old Russell Wilson self. Now, the fact is, however, Russell Wilson is 34. And we've talked about this before. Sometimes players, you just get to the end of your shelf life where you're one step slower. The arm is one beat weaker. The reads are a little bit slower. You're not making your progressions and you're just not playing at that elite level. But if anybody has the ability to help Russell and get him back on track, it is a higher like Sean Payton, who's high profile, who got a lot of money, who's had a lot of success. And I do think Denver could be a huge wild card team if Russell Wilson returns back to the Russell Wilson of old. I don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, they did lose Tim Patrick already uh, to an Achilles injury again. So that's not a great start. But Sean Payton is going to be a real X factor for the AFC West and Russell Wilson this year. Yeah, I like the ad for sure, and I must say I, I agree with Sean Payton. I thought he was talking to me because Nathaniel Hackett blew probably two-and-a-half to three-and-a-half games last year just by his poor coaching. So um, good for him, and I think that's going to be an exciting team to watch. Now, when you say wild card, I don't know if you think wild card birth. No, no, I don't, and, and I'll talk about my – seven picks that I think will make the playoffs at the end of this podcast. Denver is not one of them. I mean, just X factor of, of, you don't, you don't know what Broncos team is going to come out because you don't know what Russell Wilson is going to come out. Yeah. Well, no, I think that's going to be interesting. And I, and I do think, you know, again, going back to the aging quarterback theories, um, you know, Russell Wilson's 34, you know, Aaron Rodgers is, I don't know, 49. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is when they start having to utilize their running backs by dumping the ball off or getting rid of it early. I mean, I thought last year Tom Brady, you know, held the ball for less than a second before he was getting rid of it. So it really kind of takes away a lot of the strategy of being a quarterback and just kind of makes it a lot more systematic. Yeah. By the way, my runner-up in this category was Kellen Moore, who has now joined the Chargers as their offensive coordinator. And in terms of coaches on the hot seat, nobody is on a hotter hot seat than Brandon Staley of the Chargers. If they don't have a deep run, he's gone, but Justin Herbert obviously will be back next year. Yeah. No, you and I both uh, like the, the Chargers this year, and I, and I do hope that he gets off the hot seat early in the season because I, I picked them for the over in wins. So Yeah, they need to come out in the first quarter of the season and uh, you know get three or four wins. Let's take a quick break here, and then we are going to get into some handicapping in the divisions when we come back. All right, here we go. We're back. And now it's time to take a look at the BetMGM odds for all of the divisional races in the AFC. Miles, we're going to start with the AFC North. This is always a great, great division. You've got Cincinnati at plus 155. You've got Baltimore at plus 220. You've got Cleveland at plus 375. And you've got Pittsburgh bringing up the rear at plus 450. Now, I like the North in that you're getting plus money, right? And I think again, coming out of the North is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. And so if I had to make a pick here, I'm picking the Bengals, and I'm getting that plus 155, and I will make that bet. What I find interesting is Pittsburgh, who has never had a losing season 
under Mike Tomlin is predicted to come in last place and are at a plus 450. Now, I don't think they're going to win the division, but it wouldn't surprise me if they made it into the playoffs because, you know, history and the franchise, you know, they're winning nine games every year. You know, they get a couple of breaks and they could end up, you know, sliding in one of those seven slots. So I do think the Pittsburgh at 450 is an interesting number. I'm not going to bet it, but I don't think it's indicative of how strong Pittsburgh's going to be this year. I think uh, you probably have a lot to say about Baltimore as you did last week. And I'm just not convinced that Cleveland improved enough this year. So I'm counting them out. So my bet goes on Cincinnati and I will be making that bet on uh, in Illinois. Yeah, Cincinnati's the clear favorite in the division. What's interesting is all of the lines in this division have moved a little bit over the past few weeks. So Cincinnati actually started at plus 120, and then he went up to 150 and then 155. All three of the other teams came down a little bit. So uh, Baltimore was at 250, now they're at 220. Uh, Pittsburgh was at plus 500, now they're at plus 450. And Cleveland was at 400, and now they're at plus 375. So the handicappers really think this is going to be a tight division getting tighter. I weirdly am with you. So the team that I flagged in addition to uh, Cincinnati is the Steelers. I, I kind of like that plus 450 bet. Pickett and Pickens uh, seem to be taking a step forward. Fryermuth is going to be a star in this league. Tomlin always gets them over the hill. As you know from last week, I think Baltimore is going to fall down a little bit. Who knows with Cleveland what Deshaun Watson is going to, you know, uh, be coming out to, to, you know, lead that team. I like. I don't think I'm making that Pittsburgh plus four fifty bet, but other than Cincinnati, that is the bet that I would be making in the AFC North. Yeah, there's just something about the Pittsburgh storied franchise of just being a class act. They do everything right. Uh, they just. Year after year, no matter what happens, they're always in it. I, you just, I, I never want to count them out, you know? No question about it. They've proven that they're there year after year, as you say. Let's move on into the AFC South. A little bit of a different situation. You've got some minus money uh, at the top of this uh, division. Yeah, and, and I'm actually in the spirit of don't bet on everything there is in the world. I think I'm going to pass on this division, and I'll say why. I, Jacksonville very well might do it, but I'm not going to give my money and, and have them hold on to it for four months at a negative 155. It just doesn't seem like it's it's worth it. Um, it's not to say I don't think they'll win the division. I think they've got a pretty good chance if they didn't. I would only think Tennessee's the only other team that would do it, and they're at plus 300. Um, you've got Indianapolis at plus 550, Houston at plus 1100. I, I don't like either of those at all. Um, so maybe in a case like this, if I'm not going to bet the South, and I think that Houston is way you know, overvalued, and I don't think they're very good at all, and I think you might have said that uh, – their total has gone gone up. Like like no one no one thinks they're going to be good. I would pivot here and 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 bet the overall wins instead. And I go back and say Houston at under six and a half, which I think they were last week. If they're not going to win that many games, and bet that route. You know that way you're getting your you know plus money or your even money bet, and you you know you can still root for Jacksonville. And I think that's a better bet. 
What's interesting to me in this division is that the line on Tennessee has moved down. So it was at plus 375 a couple of weeks ago, then it moved to plus 325, and now it's at plus 300. And I just wonder who is putting money on the Tennessee Titans to win this division. I just don't see it. Now, maybe Tannehill and Derrick Henry are going to have a resurgence and Jacksonville isn't as strong as I think. Well, remember, they added DeAndre Hopkins, and that could Who? be a huge Who? spark to their receiving core. I'm, De- DeAndre, come on. You know it. Oh, yeah, I've heard, I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, but you got to get on the ball. And, you know, he's 31. And I just this team just feels like an old, getting older team. I, I, yeah. Look, they've always had a good defense. Uh, I do think maybe their offense improved, albeit got older. If Jacksonville isn't going to win, it's going to be Tennessee and you're getting plus money. But I do think Jacksonville is going to win, and I think most of the Vegas odds are feeling that way, which is why they're pricing him at minus 155. Yeah, I like the uh, under bet on Houston 6.5. They are definitely – people are fading them left and right. They started at 800. Uh, then went up to 900, and then now they're at plus 1,100. So I think people are seeing that C.J. Stroud isn't going to be in an immediate miracle worker, nor should he be. He's the number two pick in the draft. This is a team with a new coach and a new quarterback, and you know they're they're in rebuilding mode, and that's totally fine. But uh, people do not see them making a sudden, unexpected run to win the division. Okay. Do you want to move on to the AFC West? I do indeed. Speaking of minus money... And the absolute prohibitive Super Bowl favorite, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Yeah, minus 200. Not a bet I would make. Two to one you're giving up on that. And again, they very well might win, but you're just not cashing a whole lot. And, you know, I I do think the Chargers could actually, I, I do think the Chargers are at least a playoff team, if not better, you know. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to avoid this one too. And this is where I go back and say, instead of taking the chargers at plus 300 to win the division, I'll just take the over on their total wins and cheer that way. So that's a little bit of a pivot for me. Denver at plus 650 and the Raiders at plus 2000. I think Vegas is telling us that those are going to be easy games to play against them and that these these teams have no chance. Yeah, it's interesting that Kansas City has actually become more of a favorite. So they started at a minus 165. They've moved down, I guess, or more of a favorite to minus 200. So uh, people are looking around the AFC West and, you know, the Chargers have stayed, you know, steady at plus 300, but nobody, I believe, is seeing a real challenge to Kansas City. And to their credit, with the run that they've had, you have to prove that you can beat this team. It is interesting to see the Raider number go from 1,400 to plus 2,000. So uh, not a lot of confidence in them. Uh, and the the Denver line has also moved up. They're watching Russell Wilson play quarterback from plus 500 to plus 650. So, yeah, those are the two with minus money, the AFC West and the AFC South. And now let's turn to the story division in the AFC, the AFC East. Yeah, everyone is plus money. So here you're actually going to get money back and then some if you pick the correct one. And the truth is this is going to be a tight division. You've got Buffalo listed at plus 125, so they're the favorites. You've got the Jets, who the American public is all over, at plus 250. 
You've got Miami, a plus 300, so right there behind them. And then you've got New England, which has been the perennial powerhouse at plus 800. Although I do think all the teams got a hell of a lot better. So this is one where, you know, I think you could actually pick one or two of these teams and you might end up getting your money back and then some. Uh, I'm leaning still towards Buffalo, though. I do think they're the strongest team in the division. If I had to pick a secondary team, I like Miami. Um, and I think Miami's probably going to be a playoff team. I don't know if they'll win the division. I think they're capable of it. But I'd probably go the safe route here and take Buffalo on the plus money. Why not? Um, that's kind of my feeling. To quote Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. I have some differing thoughts. I really like the Jets at plus 250. Uh, a nice two and a half times your bet. I think they're going to surprise some people. I do think Buffalo is going to be solid. I think the Jets and Buffalo will both be playoff teams coming out of the East. I am not as high on Miami. There's just something about Tua that I don't love. He can get it out there and he flashes at times and he's got some great pieces around him. But for an entire season leading a team in that division, I don't know that I see it. And I do want to ask you, how and why do you think the Patriots got a lot better other than Zeke? Well, look, not only did the Patriots get Zeke, they did get Juju Smith-Schuster. They got Mike Giusecki. Uh, you know, I think they added Devontae Parker even. I, they did get some offensive weapons. So that's how I think they got better. Uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in Mac Jones, but I do have confidence in some of the pieces that they added, and I will always have confidence in Bill Belichick, and it's very hard to bet against New England. But uh, I do think they did get better. Totally fair. Good answer. I think you're right. Uh, some of those pieces, you know, their names is, is Juju Smith-Schuster at a point in his career where he's really going to make a team a lot better. I don't know. Uh, that's going to be a fun division, though. All those lines slid around a little bit, you know, very slightly. Buffalo's at plus 125. They were at plus 130. Uh, Miami uh, actually went up to 300 from plus 275. New England went up to plus 800, plus 750. So a lot of jockeying for position there. Uh, I like the Jets coming out of there, and I like that bet at plus 250. Well, the public likes it too. I think you're going to be on the major bandwagon there, and we'll see uh, if the public's right. They usually are not. I can't help it. I get sucked into the hard knocks glow, and this made me laugh. I was watching the Monday night football game. Even Joe Buck made a comment about how good hard knocks has made Aaron Rodgers look in two episodes. He was basically like, no season of any version of Hard Knocks has made a player look as good as they have made Aaron Rodgers look, which made me laugh because I think it's true. Well, time's going to tell. There's certainly a lot of hype. And uh, if you talk to anyone, uh, you know, from New York to New Jersey, uh, everyone is expecting great things out of the Jets. No question about it. So we've come to the end of handicapping our episodes. Let's wrap this up, Miles, by talking quickly about who we see the playoff teams are going to be and who we see ultimately coming out of the AFC West as the divisional champion, as the conference champion. Right. So I was able to kind of select six teams that I think will be in the playoffs. The seventh is probably still a toss up, but I'm going to give you the six that I have, which is going to be Buffalo winning their conference with Miami also being a wild card. I've got Cincinnati winning their conference. I've got Jacksonville winning their conference. 
I've got KC winning their conference with the Chargers being a wild card, which leaves one more team. And to me, that's either going to be the Jets or it's going to be Pittsburgh. And, you know, I'd like to say that Pittsburgh's going to be the, the interesting story. So I'll go with that. I, I, I don't have a lot to base it on other than the tradition of that organization being, you know, exceptional. And ultimate conference winner? Ultimately, yeah. Again, a lot of football to watch. I know it's early to be selecting, but I really like Cincinnati. I think that they were due last year and unfortunately didn't make it. I think they're going to come back this year with a roaring vengeance. And they're a fun, good team to watch, and they're deserving. So my, uh, I'm gonna, my rooting is going to be on Cincinnati. We'll see as the season goes on how much I'll be betting on them. It's funny because you and I did not talk about this ahead of time, and it's pretty interesting how closely aligned, for the most part, you and I are. So my seven AFC picks are, I've got the Jets squeaking over Buffalo in the AFC East, but both of those teams making the playoffs. I do have Cincinnati, and I have Pittsburgh coming out of the North. I have Jacksonville in the South and Kansas City and the Chargers in the West. And what's interesting is I also have Cincinnati to win the AFC. And we talk a lot about skilled players, obviously, because they're flashy. They're what makes the fantasy teams go. They're high profile. But one of the most undersung but most important free agent signings this year was by Cincinnati, and they signed an offensive lineman named Irv Smith Jr., Great, great lineman, great tackle. It's going to be a big part of that offensive line. And fun fact, before the divisional championship last year where Kansas City beat um, Cincinnati in a really tough game, before that game, the Bengals had beat Kansas City three games in a row. They're the only team to do that in the Reed Mahomes era. So they kind of know how to match up against Kansas City. You know, just to say quickly about the Chiefs, hard to root against them. They are the prohibitive favorite to win the Super Bowl. But when you are the Super Bowl champion, everybody's coming after you week after week after week. It's very, very difficult to repeat a Super Bowl champion. I think they're going to get beaten down this year. But I also like Cincinnati coming out of the AFC. A lot of great receivers, a lot of great pieces. Well, remember, Isaiah Pacheco liked one of our tweets. So just that alone leaves me to be a Kansas City, you know, fan, uh, at least for the next uh, for the next year or until someone else famous likes one of our tweets, which you can find at the uh, at one bet podcast uh, on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we'll see if we need to move on to additional platforms, but we do want to hear from you, our listeners, on who you like in the divisions, who you like out of the AFC. I will say that one of our listeners, RJ, he chimed in, and he likes the under on the New York Jets. So he's going against the public and against you. He thinks that Aaron Rodgers is up for a colossal collapse. Well, he's absolutely wrong. And shout out to another listener, Brett Kerner, who said he's going with our picks, the over on the Chargers and your pick, Seattle and Jacksonville. He's taken all of those overs based on what he heard from us last week. So that is going to do it for us for week two of our preseason Wanna Bet podcast. Remember, join us next week. We're going to talk NFC. We're going to talk all the handicapping. We're going to talk our NFC uh, divisional winner and conference winner. 
and we are going to make our ultimate Super Bowl picks. And then two weeks from today, we are going to jump right into it. I don't know if you've peeked at any of the week one games I have. There's a couple of games that I'm already looking at as possibilities to bet. So, Miles, what do you got to say? All I got to say is I love your body, Larry, and I'm looking forward to uh, doing this again. Peace out, everybody. Take care. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast. Electricast. Electricast.